up, everyone? Today we've got one of the spiciest poker players that I'm aware of, with the blue hair and the red hot outfit to match. She's <laughs> worn many hats. She's had many different jobs as like a model, a stripper, a dating coach, streamer, you name it. Oh, she's been in music videos too. And now to add to her resume, she's uh, the first professional poker player to play a high stakes tournament, $200,000 buy-in and cash in it. Ebony, welcome to the stream. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for your time. You have a very interesting, what's the word? Uh, <laughs> uh, I want to say career. I feel like that's not exactly the right word. Uh, palette? Yeah. Like that. Very, very eclectic resume. Very specific skills I have. <laughs> Also, mom. There's not many poker players that are moms. Uh, I guess there's a few questions on my mind, just straight away. How do you go from doing all these crazy careers to playing poker? Because they're all. I would think that they're. That they seem to have one major thing in common, which is they're unconventional, or a lot of them are unconventional. Like dating coaches, uncon unconventional. You know, model. Well, models not so unconventional, but like you know, dance, uh, rock, uh, exotic dancing is unconventional. Stripping, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, streaming. Uh, where does poker fit into all of this? Yeah. So, I mean, poker has throughout all of those very unconventional um, choices of work or career, uh, which I do agree with you that they are pretty unconventional. Um, poker has been the constant. Uh, so I started playing poker uh, right around 20, and I knew as soon as I found it that it was going to be something that was always going to be in my life. Like, it just felt like, okay, this is, this feels like home to me. Um, but I also was a single mom at that point. I was, I had my daughter a month before my 19th birthday, and I had life happened, and I was kicked out of my home and when my daughter was six months old and didn't have a choice, I was going to school full time. So the choice that I had, the choices that I had in order to still be able to go to school and still take care of my daughter was stripping. So by the time I found poker at 20, I had already been stripping for like a year and um, just a lot of, a lot of my career choices have been because I'm trying to also take care of my children and survive while still being a part of the industry that I fell in love with. So. <laughs> yeah. I do think there's not a whole lot of outlets available to take care of like a child when, you know, as a single mom, uh, it makes sense to take on dancing. Um, maybe you enjoyed it also or, Actually, when I when I first started, um, there was a lot of like shame and necessity, and it, it it honestly wasn't until, and it was something I did off and on for a long time, and it wasn't until I was right around thirty uh, that I kind of shed this shame that was associated with it, and I had a lot of um, like I had a big like othering mentality, like oh I'm not like other strippers, and I would not tell people that I was a stripper. There was so much. Uh, like society absorbed shame that I was taking on. Um, and I somehow thought I was different or better, um, which was a theme for a lot of things that I did until, honestly, until I was, I want to say like 28, 29, 30, um, when I started to kind of inwardly reflect on who I was and how I showed up. And and once I started to detach from shame around the choices that I had made in my life, like I would actively, um, you know, engage with people that would make comments about strippers or sex workers, or they'd be like, oh, but you're not, you know, you're, oh, she was a stripper as if she was somehow less than. Um, whereas before I would, I would avoid, uh, comments like that. Or if somebody said, oh, I heard you used to be a stripper, I would like immediately shut it down. Or I'd be like, no. And uh, I just realized that I wasn't, not only was I not helping myself, but I wasn't helping, um, you know, like the women specifically, like sex work is so women dominated. It was like the women that have been in my life, you know, and I've, I've made some really good friends and, and had people that have really been there for me in ways that my family hadn't been. 
Um, so I just wasn't honoring um, like my path. I wasn't honoring who I was and I wasn't honoring some of the women that had impacted me so greatly. Um, so yeah, so now I'm just very open and honest about it. <laughs> well, it's good of you to own, you know, what your own your actions and defend them, especially when people have like a lot of negative judgment for not any good reason other than some stigma or whatever and uh, yeah just have negative judgment that isn't really like doing anything positive uh, certainly don't believe in that I think that's quite a negative thing yeah it's uh, it takes some courage to stand up for to like to put in some kind of word uh, against these sorts of bad behaviors yeah I think I think the thing is like I still get um, I still encounter some pushback and some comments um, you know, regarding, uh, sex work and just that industry as a whole. And what's interesting to me is the amount of poker players that have something negative to say about it. And just like you said, like, uh, like sex work as an industry has a lot of stigma attached to it. So does poker, you know, poker has this negative, like CD basement kind of grungy mentality where it's just like, oh, you gamble for a living and, and you do this. And when are you going to get a real job? And it's just like, it's just another form of, it's, it's just another industry that, that people who don't, who aren't in it don't understand. And Mm -hmm. There are good and bad actors in everything, and anything can be manipulated and, you know, abused, and it's just, you know, yeah, it just is. And then there are people who who just love what they do. Like, I did get to a point where I, like, I love dancing, so for me, like, it got to a point where I was just like, oh this is just, this is so fun. Like I get to, I get to dance and I get to explore my body and, and, and connect with myself, which is like very exciting for me. And honestly has helped me tremendously in my confidence away from, from, you know, being a stripper and, and how I show up in life. So. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I totally agree with what you said about there's, there's good and bad, there's good and bad actors and everything. And there's, I mean, you can always, like, make something look good or look bad. Pretty much everything, I think, or a lot of things. And uh, a lot of what determines how good or bad something is, to quite a large degree, is going to be, you know, the people in it. And even related to that, all the, you know, you can look at something in a positive way and you can look at something in a negative way, and there's always positive and negative sides. And really, the bigger culprit is the... Did, I guess you could say something like the toxic behavior, the behavior that causes more, you know, unnecessary pain that doesn't have to happen. That's my way of looking at things. Yeah. And uh, the irony is that these judgmental people tend to be causing much more problems than, I mean, they're, they're more of a, they're like more an actual problem, I would say, or when they're actually becoming judgmental. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like whenever um, and and I had to learn this for myself because I was I mean, I'm not (laughs) I'm still blown away at how I was I was a sex worker who was like, oh, no, no, no. But I'm not like them. I want I was like, what what are you what are you doing? You know, Um, and I so badly wanted to be included and I wanted to be in the in crowd. And the thing that I that took me a long time to realize is that. I was trying to be included for people who didn't actually know me, people who didn't understand me, and people who were taking one thing about me and deciding that they knew everything about me. And that coming from that world into poker actually prepared me for a lot of, well, one, it definitely prepared me on on how to deal with uh, men as it relates to money, uh, which poker is, you know, 95, 98% men. So this was... This was a very uh, nice transition, especially with uh, real world like reading abilities. Uh, but but the thing that really that it really showed me is that I don't need to kind of sell myself to people. I don't need to like convince people why they should like me or why I'm good enough or you know insert X Y Z reasons that I want people to understand me, include me, not judge me or not dismiss me because of 
choices I've made or, you know, something I do in life. And the fact of the matter is that the people that have actually mattered in my life have always been curious about who I am, curious about my why. And the people who are quick to judgment are people who are just waiting to judge. They're, they're waiting to be proven right. Like they, they enjoy, uh, they enjoy drama and I just, I don't want to participate anymore. So. Uh, there's a million good topics in what we're talking about. (laughs) If you really look down at the roots of these sorts of judgment mentalities, it is basically rooted in selfishness of like getting this kind of like emotional high from, from just like looking down on other people at other people's expense. It's like, I I view it as something like emotional theft. Mm. Um, That's, that's my, yeah, that's just the way that I look at it. And it really comes down to like short-term gratification, I think. In addition, um, as you're saying that, as you're saying, like, you're trying to like fit into the other crowd, I I actually came to a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of um, realization like that myself. I do think there's, you have to go a bit, you have to, acquiesce a little bit with the rest of the world. You can't be too crazy. Um, and you have to like see how you're and particularly you have to see how other people are responding to you. Mm-hmm. Like you still have to like, there's an element of respect in that, but, uh, definitely the more I've like tried to expand outside of poker and like meet other people and that sort of thing, it dawned on me as well that why am I trying to like, why am I trying to like find ways to sell so much to other people? Because then I won't even want to like be around those people anyway. And then it'll just be like this constant, like trying to like win someone over kind of dynamic. Yeah. Whereas if you find the people that really appreciate, you know, you for who you really are and, uh, are more tolerant of uh, more tolerant of things that you know they don't even necessarily they aren't particularly happy about. Then you'll be much happier, and and also, I mean, yeah, just everything will be more effortless. Yeah, um, that, that's kind of the conclusion I came to, especially while I was like doing things like uh, going to like various charity galas. Um, I want to ask. What is it that made poker feel like home for you? I mean, it combined so many things that I loved. Uh, Growing up, I was super nerdy and I was on the math team and in the math club. And there were so many uh, things that I enjoyed. I enjoyed competing. And when I found poker, it brought just, it merged the things that the nerdy side of me growing up really enjoyed and loved. And with the, the skills that I had started to develop as a young adult, uh, which was communicating with people and trying to extract information in order to get something that I want. And there was a lot of, I liked how, um, like the social manipulation was just in game And how I could still be, like, I could still sleep at night. I could still be a good person, you know, at the time. Um, What I thought was a good person, which has drastically shifted and and grown uh, since then. But that's neither here nor there. Um, But the thing that I really loved about it is the human element. And because I started playing live. I started with $20 tournaments in, it was my ex-boyfriend's friend's basement. And I really enjoyed, I, I watched, I remember sitting on, sitting behind my, my boyfriend's uh, shoulder watching and just watching the actions. I was, I was just trying to figure out what they were doing, right? So I just went, first of all, I went because I didn't believe he was going to play poker like five nights a week. I was like, what are you actually doing? So I forced him to take me. Then once I got there, I was curious. So when I was watching and I was watching what what their faces looked like, what their bodies were doing while they were making decisions. And that was the thing that really got me into it. And I noticed right away, I was like, oh my goodness, like he flinched here when he bet and he didn't do that before. And I, I just became obsessed with the dynamics of 
getting information by reading people. And then the fact that I could merge it with, you know, betting sizes and all this other stuff was like, it was just so exciting for me. And I've done a lot of thinking uh, about this over the past few years because, you know, as things happen in your career, people start asking you more questions and you have more time to kind of process your why. And I think for me, it's because I can make the same decision every day in poker. I could play the same hand, the same scenario can come up and I can play, I can make the same decisions a hundred times over and get a hundred different results. And I think that's why I love it is that there's just, it's different specifically because of the human element. And it's something I not only enjoy, but something I can genuinely appreciate. Because it sounds like it's because it's unpredictable. Well, because people are unpredictable yeah. and you know, dealing with people is a whole different experience than a lot of other things. I guess I could say there's a, the social manipulation thing uh, you said uh, so, sounded interesting. That is in a way an interest of mine, although it's not so obvious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I do appreciate a lot about poker myself is that it is very unpredictable. You always get surprises like, yeah, whereas I feel like a lot of other jobs are going to be kind of the same thing over and over. A lot of office jobs seem like they'd be very boring. I mean, you can even set your own schedules. That's what I personally appreciate about it. I mean, I definitely, that's one thing for sure that I, that I appreciate about poker is specifically setting the own, like setting our own schedule. Uh, you know, there's some days I'm, I'm asleep till like two, three in the afternoon. Other days I'm, you know, I'm up at 8 a.m., 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, it is very, yeah, you get to create your own schedule. And also, it, I mean, with that comes an entirely new set of problems, you know, like if you're someone who, uh, like I, because I came from, like, because I started uh, stripping at such a young age, like the nightlife, that, that schedule, the night schedule was something that was already a part of my life. Uh, so when I started playing poker, I was just like, oh, this really like appealed to me because it just fit in with the schedule that I already had. Uh, I mean, but like anything, you know, yeah, I get autonomy and I get to have my make my own schedule. And also, like, if I don't if I'm not pushing myself enough, sometimes, you know, you can just like not do enough and you're just kind of existing within the choices you're making and not really moving the needle so to speak. So I ran into that a lot. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, also moving the needle is up to you. Uh, You know, you don't necessarily have to push yourself. That depends on what your values are. Yeah. Like uh, that's one of the freedom, the cool things about freedom. Yeah. Um, Well, speaking of pushing the needle and making change and things, doing new things, let's talk about this Triton situation Uh, why not jump into the uh, 200k buy-in when i believe i read that your previously previous largest buy-in was a ten thousand dollar buy-in it was correct (laughs) yeah i actually watched your documentary yeah it seemed like quite an experience to jump in and play with all the high stakes pros that you know go from stop to stop and all of that um what do you uh, what are your first thoughts on all that? I mean it it definitely was quite an experience. I'm so grateful um, to have the opportunity from Phil and ECR and like for someone like me, I've been I've, I've been playing poker for, you know, for 20 years and I had just kind of accepted my path, I guess, as like a mid-stakes grinder who was a lot of a lot of what I had done in poker um, up to that point was just me kind of going off instinct, and I hadn't really put in the time to become a better poker player uh, mm-hmm. because you know I was trying to raise two kids, and that's just oh, yeah, yeah. the the fact of the matter. I was just trying right. to uh, to stay in the game, so to speak. And, uh, but I had just kind of resigned to my fate as a mid-stakes poker player. So I didn't even think about, uh, ever, I had never thought that like, oh my goodness, one day I'm going to play these high stakes tournaments. One day, you know, I was still a fan of poker at home watching players like you and Phil Ivey and, you know, just watching everyone just be like, yeah, that's, 
they're cool. Like, I'm a fan. And so when the opportunity came up, I, I was like, wait, what, 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 this is okay. This is actually happening. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And then arriving in, in Cyprus and, and, and playing in Triton, it's just, I mean, you know what it's like, you play these and compared to other tournament stops anywhere in the world, like Triton is just so unique and so special. And there is this, this, I feel like it's like the air is like crispier, you know, like just everything is just a little more fine tuned and, and clearer because it's, it's just, it feels so special. Uh, yeah, I, it's still, even now, like it's been about five months and it still feels like it just happened. And I still like, my heart still like gets nervous when I think about it and I still get so excited and I'm still in shock. Um, about the entire experience and how I did is it's wild. <laughs> to be fair, the Triton events are really well run. Those are some of the best tournaments that I can think of. Once you get to know those guys, uh, they're a bunch of bums. Don't worry about them. <laughs> you know, normal dudes. Uh, I'm kidding. They're they're cool. Um, they're mostly pretty humble, I'd say, and they they some of them work really really hard at poker. I'm glad you had a great experience. It, um, yeah, Cyprus is, it's known, well, I don't know, you probably do know this now, is that it's known as a gambling haven, and they, like, they go out of their way to have, to really make sure everything's special, and uh, that's been true about all the Triton events, as I said. They, uh, they really put together a good atmosphere and also make things very classy and somehow find a way of making the, Mm, yeah, they make the, the when you're deep in a tournament really quite uh, an epic experience. Yeah, I mean the thing that one of the things that was wild for me was really the final table of the 200k and how they had us kind of walk out and it's very this um, like I grew up watching wrestling, so it was. I mean, you're you're familiar, Macho Man. Here we go. <laughs> um, but for me, it just felt it felt very much um, like it was my dreams. I wanted to be a Nitro Girl so bad, which was like the dancers for WCW, um, and I was obsessed with like I was like one day I'm gonna walk out of like smoke and music, and my name is gonna be the, you know, and like these were things that I had like dreamt of as a little girl, and then never in my life did I think that I would get kind of that dream to come to fruition in poker of all things. Um, but it happened and I have this like really cool visual walkout and because of the documentary and because of Triton being televised, I get to just like see this forever, which is super exciting for me um, just as someone who can appreciate it. Um, but the fact that, you know, my biggest my biggest moments in poker so far were also, you know, captured on such a, a big stage is something I, I really appreciate. And I get to, you know, look back and reflect and still be in shock, but yeah. <laughs> well, congrats. You, um, you made history and uh, I heard that, you know, many uh, other uh, female poker players were messaging you and telling you all these nice words and saying how they looked up to you. I think I'm getting that right, right? And yeah. Um, honestly, the the biggest thing um, for me was when I first found out that I was going, there was – I kind of absorbed what everybody thought – you know, um, not what everybody thought, but what a lot of people thought when they first heard the news. I was like, wait, what? No, this is, I don't deserve this. I'm not good enough. There was all of this um, like self-doubt uh, that I immediately felt uh, once I got the invite from Phil. And I just had to have a, like a little pep talk with myself and just be like, it's okay. Like, you, you, you're good enough. You're going to do this. And I was more just saying things I didn't believe, but knowing I could convince myself to get there. Mm -hmm. But the thing that really blew me away is how many women, um, reached out to me before it, uh, before I left, 
uh, like Kristen Bicknell is is someone who messaged me uh, when before it became public news. I I got Chance Corneth from Chip Leader Coaching. Um, he signed on to be my coach, and Alex Foxen is one of Chip Leader's partners in Chip Leader Coaching, or one of Chance's partners in Chip Leader, Chip Leader Coaching. So Kristen reached out to me via Twitter and was like, "Hey, just." You know, we were talking about this, um, found out you're going, and this is before it was public. And she just gave me so much love and so much um, just, you're a badass, don't worry about it, don't worry what anyone else is going to say, and just gave me so much support and love. And she and I have always been friendly on the tables, but we're not friends, you know, like we say hi to each other and we hug each other whenever we see each other. But it felt like, she was the first of many women to reach out and show their support. And then I had conversations with, you know, like Kelly Minken literally like five days before I was going and she gave me the pep talk that I needed to not doubt myself. And then the amount of women that reached out to me after was, I was so surprised and, and looking back now when I take myself out of the equation and I just put any, any woman that plays um, poker and, and plug them in as if they were me. It makes sense because I was the first, I was the first female professional poker player um, to play an event like the coin rivet invitational, the 200,000. I was the first woman to cash in a Triton event and I did it with two final tables. So there were a lot of first. And when I look, when I put myself back then and I, I look around, I'm like, Oh yeah, they're, I was the only, I was the only professional poker player that was a woman. Like, Sosha was there, you know, Sosha's always there. And she's, a, she's so strong and successful and amazing in outside of poker. And she's always, uh, you know, she's so fun and she's a force in general. So I am rooting for her in all aspects whenever she plays. But she was the only, she was the only person. And she wasn't someone that the poker world really like new as she's not a professional poker player. So I just look, I was like, Oh, there I am. I am the only one. And to be, um, such a minority in something and to have some kind of success, it, it does remind you that representation does matter. And it kind of reminds me of like the four minute mile, right? Like no one knew it could be done until it was done. And then, you know, it took so long for that mile to happen. And then once it did, there was like so many people that can like broke the record, you know, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember that story. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, it kind of like Anna Marquez, who's a team ACR pro and someone, she is a crusher and a very, very good poker player. The message, she sent me this message um, on my way home from Triton, and it was one of the most beautiful gifts I've ever received. And it was just this very long text message about how she's been playing, you know, high stakes poker for a bit and how listening to um, my process and how I felt about myself and my self-worth and my ability to perform within, you know, such high stakes and such a pressure cooker, uh, really, she felt like it was herself talking about all the doubt and that seeing me do that made her believe that she could do it now. And I couldn't believe someone like Anna could look to me as, as inspiration to pull from and, and it would garner, you know, a level of self-belief that she hadn't had before. And it's, it's, I don't look at myself as this like, Oh, look what I've done. I just look at it like, through the things that I've done, it's had an impact. And I'm very grateful that women get to see themselves in other women doing great things. And I just want more of that for every woman everywhere. Well, I'm certainly supportive of that. Uh, for more reasons than one. <laughs> I'm cer- I certainly want to see more women succeeding in poker and everything, period. Uh, it's been happening a lot as or that apparently there's been quite an upward trend in other areas as well. And, um, yeah, it's nice to hear that you're, uh, you're an inspiration for other pros. It's, it's awesome. And, um, as you're talking about your doubts and, you know, all this like kind of nervousness going on in your mind, what I'm thinking is like, you know, uh, I feel like that's natural for everyone. I, I had all those kinds of doubts myself as I was moving up in the stakes 
And, you know, to be the first one to face them, the first woman to face all of them, there's probably, imagine you have even extra doubts or new doubts or doubts that I can't necessarily relate to. Um, but, it, you know, I feel like that's part of, you know, the necessity of crossing that boundary. It's like kind of like that invisible, invisible barrier of sorts. You, you just have to like pass through to like deal with all these bullshit thoughts uh, that and just to you know, face them and just move past them. And then, uh, yes, I think uh, if you happen to play more of these um, or play higher, you know, just play with other pros that are playing these or whatever it is, um, higher buy-ins, like, the doubts eventually go away. Um, or at least it, uh, these guys aren't that scary. <laughs> no, they're definitely still scary. It's definitely scary to be in it. Um, I was explaining to... Like, I got so little sleep in the 10 days that I was playing Triton, and I think it was because my body was just on such high alert, uh, mm -hmm. because playing with you and everyone <laughs> that plays these fields, like, you just have to be on guard 24-7 when you're playing, because if you're not, they're just going to pounce and that's the nature of it. And so it took, it would take me hours to kind of come down from it because it was that fight or flight mode and I was just in fight mode and to, to come down. And it was like, by the time I was ready to come down, I would fall asleep for a few hours and it was, it was time to wake up and do it all over again. And I'm grateful that I had, you know, some deep runs. So I got to really experience what that was like, but it was, it is, y'all are scary. Don't, don't downplay this for the folks at home. Y'all are scary. <laughs> like it's, it is, it is intense. There's a level of intensity. Every time I would sit down to play, I would have to kind of like in, like inside whatever was happening, whatever y'all saw of me on the outside, that is, it was the exact opposite on the inside. I was freaking out every single moment. It was scary. It was intense. And, and, Everyone is so kind and everyone was so thoughtful and, and went out of their way. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I, I know. I <laughs> waiting to try to get your money. Both can be true. Both can be true. As a dating coach, you've probably realized there's a lot of shy nerds there. <laughs> so think of, picture them all as shy nerds that are asking you for dating advice. <laughs> That's the way to go. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's not that far fetched, actually. Um, I mean, but yeah, but these are, these are, you all are, are, are individuals who have, uh, created, um, a path for yourself and really carved out a spot in an industry that's very specific. And, I think, and I think I mentioned this in my documentary. It was like, you know, like I've been on TV for poker before, but these are the people that everybody's watched on TV. You know, these are, there's an air of, of, I don't want to use the phrase celebrity, but, or the word celebrity, but it kind of feels like there is, it's very different when everybody in an industry knows you versus somebody, like some of the people know you, you know? And so with that comes with like, it's like, I absorbed a lot of the intimidation and <laughs> the nerves that I would get just because I'm like, oh, I'm still a fan and being able to separate, um, like kind of dig deep within myself and separate my fandom from like, okay, these are now my peers and I'm going to sit down and try to do what they're doing to me, which is like crush your soul on the table. <laughs> so hopefully. Yeah, I could see how, I do remember these kinds of feelings myself when I was first meeting the the people that I looked up to in like 2010 or whatever. I'd first meet all these famous people, like oh my god, I'm playing with like Phil Ivey or like going out to a club with them, like that kind of thing. And yeah. The Howard Letterer, Chris Ferguson at the time, and all the card runners dudes. Yeah, but after a while, it it does you do get used to it. But the whole emotional experience is very unique and. Yeah, for sure. I think it's easy to um, like get caught up in, in like your own personal idea of these people. And it's it kind of like 
we can kind of touch back on what I was talking about earlier with people's perception of me based on like me being uh, a stripper. And it's just like, I had to um, just get curious about my own perspectives of these people. And instead of bringing with me, um, like, what everyone else said, right? Like people are like, Oh, be careful. They're scary. And be careful. This person's like a, a crusher. And, and, and there's like so many, like be careful and so many sure. warnings. And it's like, I don't want to absorb what other people's opinion of it is because how they got to that conclusion is not, they have different information than I do. So how they get to this conclusion of like, be careful is not necessarily my idea of be careful. Right. So I had to just, sit down and and be very curious about the information I was getting from my players and, and through that find comfort because the fact is is that I was playing whether or not I was comfortable and I was going to be in a position where I had to make decisions that had, you know, a real-world impact on on me and, and my family and, you know, other women in poker. So... I had to, yeah, I had to push past it. I didn't have a choice. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm just, even think, like, when I think about it now, it's still, it's crazy. <laughs> Does it matter that uh, you were the spiciest one at the table? Maybe they don't know what to expect of you. Like, you definitely have the spiciest outfits. Uh, I, even though I may have been dressed as Triton, uh, I still think you took the cake for having the spicy stuff, but I think you had a hat and like some, you know, some color going on, multiple different colors. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe it was an African outfit, I believe. Uh, and I believe there's a talk of a spice off. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So my, my outfit choices were very intentional for Triton uh, because I, I'm someone who enjoys and, and you can appreciate this. I know I love, I love a good outfit and I love um, kind of creating um, just, you get to, you get to just create so many like, and, and, and evoke so many emotions through clothing and, and outfits and, and choices and you get to tell a story and it's something I've always been a fan of. Uh, so when I found out I was playing Triton, I was like, oh, I am, I am coming correct. And a lot of my outfit choices were very, very, very intentional. Uh, I wore a lot of my, my head wraps and from my, my dresses and my outfits were from black owned businesses and, and women black owned businesses. And it was very purposeful because I felt like I had never seen anyone who looked like me playing poker at that level. And, and on top of that, I had never seen anyone who looked like me playing poker on that level really own who they are. Um, and and make a statement with who they are, with how they look. And so I looked at it as an opportunity, and I was not going to shy away from it whatsoever. And, yeah, uh, I think it was when you and I were – it was day three of the 200K, and that was the first time we had gotten sat next to each other. And, uh, yeah, you've been known to do some, some crazy things with your outfits. And so – we, we, we need to have, you know, like a spice off. I like this. I like this phrase, a spice off. Maybe, maybe we do this during the world series. You know, we try to do like a, a spice off as far as outfits go. <laughs> sure. Sure. I've got a number of ideas. We can uh, coordinate this. Yes. Um, and, you know, related to the whole idea of uh, what you wear as a story. I mean, I think this is a good topic for a few different reasons. Firstly, I think it's important to remember that as while you're like intimidated a little bit by the people that that you've watched on TV that crushed and made, you know, however many millions, blah, 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 they don't know what the f*** is going on with you. Like, they don't know what you'll do, they don't know how you'll play, there's no like, you know, as you said, what you, what you wear communicates something about yourself and can even tell a story, mm -hmm. or at least with a certain kind of artistic finesse you can, or creative finesse, I guess you could say, uh, you can tell a story with it. Yeah. Um, I will say, um, just going back to what you said about how showing up a trait and how none of them like knew what to expect. They didn't know anything about me. I knew that going in. That was one thing I was certain of. I was like, okay, I don't have anything to lose because no one's expecting anything of me. 
uh, one. And two, they can go and, like you said, go and like look and see how each of them plays. And they don't have they don't have any footage of me. They can't like go back and be like, oh, she makes this kind of decision in this kind of spot. And I was like, all right, I get to just I get to just be. And away from just in life, I've gained a lot of confidence and who I am as a person. And so I bring, I try to bring that type of energy into everything that I do. Uh, So I knew that that's what I was going to do with Triton as far as my outfit choices, because I wanted to inspire confidence within myself while I was playing in such a nerve wracking environment. And I knew one of the things, one of the ways that I could do that was with my outfit choices. It's like, look good, feel good type of thing, you know? And I, I was just like, well, I know one thing's for sure. I'm I'm going to look good, regardless if I play good, <laughs> if I, I if I run good, and I just happen to run very well and play terrible in some spots and then play well in others. Uh, and it, I got to uh, wear a lot of my amazing outfits for Triton, which was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, there is. I noticed very early on um, in poker that the how I showed up physically with the choices that I made really impacted the way people would perceive me. Like if I would show up in sweatpants and a snapback and, and just be like super casual, then the way that people would react to me or respond to me was vastly different than when I dressed up to the nines and wore a lot of jewelry. And then, and then people, people would think I'm just like, Oh, she's like some, she's gotta be some millionaire's girlfriend, you know? And it was just like the way that they treated me, the way that they played against me, the way that they played back at me, every, everything was different. And I started to realize how much power was in that and that I get to decide how people initially perceive me. And I just wanted to take all elements of my power in that. And I still do. And I think it's fantastic. And I get to, I get to play and create. And also I think you got to give yourself a little more credit. I think you're doing an amazing job with, uh, creating these these characters and these um you know these outfits on the poker table because that's one thing you're for sure known for and you stay in character which is kudos to you hats off to you for that (laughs) well thank you thank you uh well good job realizing that by the way i think i don't know how many how much people do realize that they're doing that i think a lot of people just kind of be who they are and don't really like look too much into how they're dressing but i'm not sure if i'm right about that but yeah, I mean that's a totally fair way way to uh, to you know manipulate uh, in poker and that and dimension of it that people haven't really thought about. Uh, I mean, I can give some examples of myself, but like I think half the time when I dress crazy, I'm sitting here thinking like, how can everyone, how can anyone fold to me when I'm dressing like this? <laughs> like fold to the guy who's dressed as Macho Man. And it's got like yellow and red on and like a hat and a chain and all this stupid stuff. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I could totally see how people could wildly misplay against you. Yeah, so it it worked out in a favor that way. It's uh, definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, I don't care. I just like to spice things up now. Oh, yeah. That's how I feel. I'm just like, it's poker can be so boring and I just want to have fun. Like I want to add a dash of fun into everything that I do because that's who I am as a person. Like I am just this very excitable over the top person who like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just over the top in general. So it makes sense that my outfit choices can also, you know, be over the top or be deemed as over the top. And I just want, yeah, I just want to have fun. And I, one element of me having fun is how I feel. And it starts from, you know, the package that I bring um, to the table for me. It's fun. It's fun. I love, I love playing dress up and I am living in Austin, Texas now where everyone dresses down for everything. Like nobody dresses up. It's, it is. Yeah. It's this, it's this weird, like everyone wants to wear jeans and, and yeah. And it's kind of boring. And I just have decided that I'm going to dress up for everything. Like it doesn't matter. Give me any excuse to dress up. I'm going to do it. And I, I mean, waking up is an excuse to dress up. I feel like 
like being alive and, and facing another day is just like, yeah, I have something to celebrate. I'm here. So I'm not going to wait to wear my favorite outfit or favorite perfume. I'm just going to, it's y'all, you, you guys get it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, why not it? You know, why not spice things up whenever you can? Uh, poker needs more of that, frankly. Instead of all these guys like sitting there trying to make the perfect play and all <laughs> oh, like you know the timing tells and uh, randomizing. Ah, like, I know. I uh, agree. I think I, I think I rattled a lot of people uh, because you know with you and your fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> How dare I? We are <laughs> There's only a big sign. No fun in big black and white letters. They're gonna. It, it'll be no fun. No dancing at the table. No twerking. None, none of these things that I'm just like. Everyone should do this. <laughs> well, if we can get the poker room to twerk, uh, uh, there have to be some kind of reward. Like I don't know, like a free roll or who knows. Oh my goodness! Listen, if. If Ready anyone, I think this is part of the spice off. Maybe this is an element that you and I bring into our spice off, right? Like maybe we can give away like, you know, a buy into something, you know, if like we have like a little twerk offer, like come like show up in your best dressed outfit and then enter the contest. And then we like give, you know, something. I don't know this. I think this is, uh, we have some ideas here. <laughs> That's a good idea. Something along those lines in the form of, I think dancing is going to be tougher. An outfit, I, I personally think an outfit will be easier just because knowing myself, I'm shy to dance. And if I'm shy, they're all shy. There's also, by the way, one weird thing is that, well, it doesn't matter the poker room because it's all dudes. But like, <laughs> it, it, like guys are, you know, not dancing that well. And in front of girls, it's, it's not a great look. And that, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge that. Cause I think, yeah, there is that pressure of like, Oh, you don't want to embarrass yourself or you don't want to um, look bad. But the thing is, is like stepping out of your comfort zone is such, at least for me, I think it's such a hot thing when a guy um, is challenging his comfort zone, especially really? in front of others. Yeah, it is. I, I think it is one of the hottest characteristics that anyone can have and, and not um, it's not that they're not afraid to try something new or scary. Right. It's that they acknowledge that fear is there and they face it anyway. And they're, and they decide to sit in the thick of it and challenge themselves. And I think that is such a, a, a sexy characteristic that a human can have is, is like just fighting that fear or bringing your fear with you. And so, yeah, getting people, you'd be surprised. I can get a lot of people, um, even when we played at the lodge, when they were like wanting us to get back in the room, I was doing like the shimmy, like the shimmy shake to get, um, like wanded down. And so I, I, I would have, uh, I did, uh, implore a few of the players if I was, behind them coming back in. I was like, come on, do the shimmy shake and got a couple players to do it. You know, Josh did it. I think, um, I think, uh, Mike did it and it's just, yeah, people, people will surprise themselves. They just gotta, gotta get a little bit of encouragement. And I am, I am the best cheerleader. I'm like on that, like, come on, you can do it. And I truly think that anyone can do anything they want to, if they just decide to, and how it looks to anyone else doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Well, those, are some, those are some special traits to get people to do those kinds of things and open up and be like the source of that. Uh, um, I want to say the word is joy, although it's not exactly the right word I'm looking for, is really a unique trait. Um, and certainly if you can be that source in spite of other people being boring and dry, um, it's hard to be that. Yeah. And... Yeah. It's definitely hard to get people moving. That's it's 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 like the trait of like a leadership kind of trait. It's um yeah, uh, it's uh, kudos and also <laughs> if you can do it like actually do it. Also more kudos because <laughs> the poker world needs that more more spice. Thank for sure. you. Yeah, I, I I do suspect. You know, this is what I think. I suspect there's like some kind of slight benefit on average. Let's just say you take an average guy and he dances. 
versus some a bunch of dudes that don't dance. My my guess is there's going to be like some kind of slight benefit, but I'm not really sure because I don't have a whole lot of experience. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this stuff actually does really interest me. Um, I mean, these days things are a little weirder. Have you been uh, giving dating coaching to many poker players? How do you get into that? <laughs> to the the clients at the strip club too like how does this work yes oh my god actually that's i was always uh i just was always the person who was giving advice and everyone would come to and i was the like philosophical stripper in the in every club that i (laughs) i worked in i always wanted to talk about everything (laughs) That's too funny. The dress is like there must be there's some like lady philosopher like dressed in a toga or like whatever it is. I was, but that that was who I was, and I just um, it was it was a natural transition for me, and I actually went from dating coach to sex coach to ultimately becoming a women's confidence coach, where I worked with all of my clients were men. And then I transitioned to becoming a confidence coach with the focus on women. And that was an interesting transition for me, um, specifically to work for, to go from working with all men to working with all women. Um, but the, the dating, yeah, becoming a dating coach just, it was just a natural thing because I was the person who I was super open and honest and I could talk about any subject with anyone and not shy away from it. And I was comfortable and confident. I am comfortable and confident in what I bring to the table. And and I am pretty outspoken and I, I like to challenge people's ideas of what they can or can't do. And I think that is a very um, very good quality to have when you are trying to get someone to become a more successful dater, uh, specifically oh, sure. men. So, yeah. I do think that's necessary, although I do think, I think uh, these days the barrier for men is becoming, um, what's the word? Although I can't really, I don't really know what a typical guy's setup is, but if they don't have like, you know, a vibrant social circle, I think they're like, it's real tall, uh, it's becoming a taller hill to scale. yeah, the barrier to entry is getting a little is getting a little more difficult. <laughs> well, let's go to acknowledge that too, because I, I would say um, probably getting insurmountably difficult for a lot of guys, or virtually insurmountably difficult, uh, is my guess. But it's really hard to say. I'm just saying if they have no sur- social circle specifically, which you know, like a lot of guys, you know, if they're sitting around playing video games all day. They probably don't have a great social circle. Yeah. And, you know, unless they're, like, really good-looking or something, there's not going to be a lot of hope there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you when you put it that way and they're not, like, actively engaging and trying to um, build uh, their social circle, which opens up experiences and opportunity, then absolutely. Uh, one thing that I have told every single one of that I told every single one of my clients before and I still tell this to every single man that I meet in poker specifically Mm -hmm. Latin dance learn to Latin dance yes because it it (laughs) requires you to practice approaching women every song you gotta you gotta go ask the follow if they want to dance and most follows are women so you get to practice touching and engaging and talking and interacting with women of all of all walks of life and the amount of the amount of men that I've danced with that I haven't been attracted to before I dance with them and then after I'm like oh my god that was so hot like this is that is a that's a very visceral uh reaction that I have to a skill that they can acquire and you don't have to be a good dancer you don't have to be uh, a very confident person. You don't have to be um, like very suave and and really good at communicating with women. You just have to practice these. You know, it's just going to the class, practice moving, and and like anyone, anyone can learn to to salsa. Anyone can learn to bachata, and it, it is. You know, I I think it is. 
if if you are a guy at home playing video games all day and you don't have a social circle, look up y- your local Latin studio and go to a social and take a lesson and get out of your comfort zone. That is a that is something I tell every single I I will never stop telling people to do that. It probably is pretty good advice. I mean, like actionable will work if eventually uh, girls are involved. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, probably hard to imagine much better advice than that. I would think that's. So I'm trying to think of like what else would you do? Like going to a bar isn't really good. Um, nope, it's the Latin dancing. It's the Latin dancing, and it's a skill that, like, once acquired, you just have it. And there have been times that, like, I've been out with my girlfriends, and like a Latin song will come on, and. You know, when I'm out with my girlfriends who I dance with, a Latin song will come on and we'll be like, you know, and then some some guy that we were just talking to, like I the amount of times I've broken out and dance at a bar with some random guy who was like kind of awkward. And then he was like, oh, I can dance. And then he like leads me and I'm like, oh, my God. And then like I'm just like talking to him for the rest of the night. It's it's it the spontaneous dancing when Latin music comes on has happened so many times in my life. And so I just look at it like, yeah, men, what are you doing? This is a quality that you can carry with you. And women love it. Women love it. (laughs) There's something very um, inherently masculine about it too. So if, if men are struggling with how they show up or they feel like they're not masculine enough, I mean, this, this, ticks so many boxes so many boxes maybe you could like well i wonder if there's like any chance some dancing could happen at the uh poker the poker uh tournaments although now that we've set now that we've mentioned this <laughs> it appears that i've thrown myself into the fire as i tend to do um and i guess i'd be a wild hypocrite if i did not participate myself oh, i was gonna say Ooh. you gotta lead the way here Um, i guess i would in this case like i i'm not exactly the guy that doesn't do all the crazy things so if i'm not going to do it then no one else will do it or probably no one else will do it so (laughs) it's it's not a bad idea all Um, right so latin dancing lessons in vegas this year during the world series is that what we're doing possibly yeah uh the only thing is it's not so one thing I want to mention is just not so like tangent to a lot of the other things I'm learning currently, but dancing is down, down the, um, is that at some point in there. Uh, <laughs> and I do think there's one thing about dancing that I found to be very interesting is that when you dance, you're, you have to like, kind of, um, you have to do something that I imagined, uh, acting would teach me, which is uh, something similar to put on a vibe. I, I don't know how else to say it, mm, but you yeah. like, kind of you have to like turn on an emotion of sorts yeah uh which i mean that is actually a great skill if you can turn off like a positive turn on like a positive emotion that's that other people will make other people feel good that's that's a very good skill to have even though i don't think most poker players appreciate that too much but i mean it's not that different from like playing a good strategy but just now it's a social strategy yeah 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 i think there's a lot of power in that and a lot of uh like real world benefits aside from aside from the impact it has on the poker table you know i think it's just being able to to create an atmosphere of fun has Mm -hmm. just real world impact on on people and for me that's that's one of the things i know that i try to bring um wherever i go you know i try to make it fun and make it light and and really yeah i just i want to have fun with everything that i do and i want people to feel good in in general so i know for me it's like i want to think about the impact of how people feel about me when they leave the room, you know, or when I leave the room, like how, you know, it's like, oh, people will forget what you do, but they won't forget how you made them feel. And and this is just one of those ways that it's very, very powerful. 
Oh, for sure. I was actually just reading about, like, The Rock. Uh, apparently, he makes, like, everyone feel amazing. Like, he'll walk into a room with, like, 100 people. It just makes feel, everyone feel amazing. So, it's, mm -hmm. it is, like, a great skill to have, like, to do that. Not not very many people can, like, make people feel in a really positive way. It's uh, not easy, and it totally is making a positive impact. Um, so, congratulations. Uh, good job. Keep doing <laughs> Thank, <it>. you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been great, great having you on the show. I couldn't even like talk about all the things I wanted to talk about. Thank you for um, having me. Anything you'd like to promote or like to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, the high stakes, uh, it's called High Stakes, a one seat at a $200,000 tournament. Um, that is the mini three-part doc series on ACR's YouTube. Uh, you could just Google uh, my name. It should pop up, Evan and Kenny. Um, and for the most part, yeah, just, uh, I mean, ebonykinney.com and then my, my all my socials and uh, be on the lookout for our uh, twerk spice off coming in uh, summer 2023. <laughs> twerk spice off. I hope I don't have to twerk, but I will all dance. At least. <laughs> I can commit to that. <laughs> all right, Dan. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Ebony.